Welcome back to Cooper Duper, a Twin Peaks podcast for regular people. This is Jess. I'm Mikey. And we're back with our post-Twin Peaks film series. This yep. time digging into the first and only directorial effort. I am I wonder why that is. Of writer Mark Frost. Yeah. Uh, so we just it seems watched like, this movie. Yeah. And... It's not good. No, no, I don't think it was it's that good. It's not bad. Like, it's not like, oh my god, what the fuck is this? Or like, it should be on How Did This Get Made? Or The Flop House. It's not bad. Yeah. It's it's just so fucking meandering. It, meandering is a great and like, way to put I, it. Like, so much of it, like, so many plot points. Like, I don't even understand... I never got a chance to settle into what the central mystery is. Like, there's a mystery going on, and it's, it's who killed who killed that his man. father. But like, well, well, who killed his James Spader's right. father, and, and also then who, who killed, killed Lee's, Lee's father. father? But also, like, her he's getting blackmailed with, or like Lee was his his he, wife he got sent pictures of his something. wife having an affair. Like, there just was too many. things. Things being thrown yeah. at me. So this was um, based off of a book, and we both mentioned that this this is probably like, a better book. Yeah, because so much of this movie happens in dialogue. Yes, and if you miss any of that, good luck. And we weren't as focused. As it was. It was hard to watch. It, like, and it was. So I don't know if anyone watches this. I don't know where you found it. I yeah. bought a copy. I bought a DVD copy, which is like old shit. and it didn't look great like the the quality was bad it was a movie that was formatted to fit your screen back in 19 the early 1990s so they chopped off the widescreen edges mm-hmm. and then now that it's playing back on a on a you know 16 by 9 tv the cropped image was then stretched mm-hmm. so it just looked bad um but it, yeah so I wanted to like it. I really did. Like even yeah, we went in like yeah. good mood, ready to go. Yeah. Like even even out the gate, like the first like opening credit sequence is yeah. like like skimming across the, the pond on or like the, the swamps of New Orleans, right. which gave me like awesome like like uh callback vibes to Down by Law, which is a great Jim Jarmusch movie. And I was like, Ooh, this is cool. I'm on board for the and it just I, I up until the very very end, I was really really trying to put it all together, mm-hmm. and I wanted to enjoy it. It was yeah. just, it was just unnecessarily complex. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, I, I completely and in a, and not in a fun Twin Peaks way where like it's really complex and things don't always pan out, but that's okay because it's all part of this world. Right. It's not an interesting world that you've created it or is anything. Not. It's just, yeah, it's it's just too many things, many of which don't ever pay off or things that pay off I didn't even catch was being set up. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, it was, it was strange. Yeah, it, it was odd. Um, so we actually, okay, so I'm right. One of my main, one of my early points of confusion was the fact that uh, Lee Tran, the mm-hmm. initial love interest, I was like, she doesn't, I did not clock her as Asian at all. Oh, really? Uh, no, and she's not. She's Oh, really? She's Irish and Iraqi and Chilean. Huh. Yeah, I mean, she, I, like, I know her. I, when I I looked it up because she looked familiar and I knew her from The Golden Child, the old Eddie Murphy movie, which mm-hmm. is great, old eighties movie, and then of course, uh, Embrace of the Vampire, who is anyone who was a teenage boy in the mid nineteen nineties remembers like a, Embrace of the Vampire, like it was, a Skinamax. Uh, yeah, it was an Alyssa Milano movie oh. where she's super nude in it, and so like it was real good when you were. Oh, you boy. Know, 14 was this, years old or whatever. Was this Alyssa Milano trying to break out of childhood stardom? Oh, uh, oh, for sure. Yeah. Between this and, like, the Poison... She was in one of the Poison Ivy movies. I don't remember if it was before or after. But, yeah, she went on a very real, like, sexy thriller mm-hmm. type of thing in the in the mid-'90s. But... Right. <laughs> it's, always, it's, it's always, like... 
a major like gut punch when you're like, she looks familiar, and I don't. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. Because when uh, I was 14, I watched uh, Embrace the Vampire a few times because Alyssa Milano was naked. Oh, was she yeah. your first sexual awakening? Oh no, that was Cheryl and Fenn. You know oh, that. I forgot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah but yeah. Uh, she's up there for sure. <laughs> for sure, she's an influential oh, figure yeah. in the in the life of of Michael. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I'm gonna rent. I'm actually. Listen, <laughs> I've fallen into this trap before. Of I'm actually curious to read this summary because um, I hopefully I will understand better what happened because honestly, yeah. I kind of think I understood. And then the whole that he won the election by 98%, I completely did not know what the fuck that was going it on. It was the other guy dropped out. Oh. Which is oh. what... Yeah, the other, guy, the other guy dropped out because he got pulled into this huge scandal and so he just wow i dropped completely out. Yeah. okay unfortunately usually i turn to like your wikipedia's <laughs> of the world or your um uh wherever i get yeah, my, and, and those my wiki plot like, summaries tend to exist for david lynch and the works of david sure, lynch the, the wiki episodes. fandoms are very helpful unfortunately uh, yeah there's not a lot of uh you know uh, information to be had about Mark Frost's single directorial effort, Storyville. This didn't cause a lot of commotion oh, in yeah. the movie yeah, world. Didn't, yeah, it wasn't. Did not make an impact. It was not make felt. Many waves, for it sure. did not make it into the cultural zeitgeist, uh-huh. and therefore. Yeah, where where are you finding the summary then, Jessica? Uh, well, uh, it's a. Uh, I mean, you know me. I really like supporting like small businesses mm-hmm. as opposed to like the mm-hmm. Wikipedias of the world. So I went to like an artisan website, um, an amateur, you know, an amateur film critic um, who is at moviepooper.com. <laughs> Which reminds me of Jay and Silent Bob Go to Hollywood. And it was movie. Strike Back. Or, what is it? Yeah, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. That's the one where they go <laughs> to Hollywood. whole series? <laughs> it's the one where they go to Hollywood. That's I got carried away. Uh, but the, the the website where they read the, the shit was on moviepoopshoot.com. So I'm curious. It, I'm realizing that now I'm putting that together that I'm wondering if movie pooper is a real thing. Like, uh, obviously, it's a real like thing. But, like, yeah, I wonder if it was I mean, this is established noteworthy. in 1999, according yeah. to its... So I bet, I bet movie poop shoot is a reference to moviepooper.com. And who wrote this summary? Oh, uh, Jeremy. Oh, Jer- Jeremy. Got it. Thanks, Jeremy. Good looking out. Because uh, honestly, though, it might be the only one on the internet. So thank you, Jeremy. Yeah, genuinely. Like, genuinely. Thank you, Jeremy. So If not, we'd have to like tweet at Mark Frost and see if he can explain it right, to us. Right, right. Can you give <laughs> And Mr. even Frost, he might have some troubles. <laughs> Mr. Frost, please give us your elevator speed, uh, pitch for, uh, yeah. for this movie. Okay. Um, so... So <laughs> his name is Cray, which maybe is a common southern name but i have never heard of a human being named cray i've heard it the problem is now you hear cray more because uh the youths of our world uh use it as a slang for crazy but right okay it was a lot more common i think back in the day i i've heard it before as a name it's um it's a scottish surname so is Cray a boy or a girl name? It's trending. Any, oh, it means prolific and it's Gaelic. Anyway. No, it, it means crazy. <laughs> no, that's Cray Cray. Oh, it, there's got to be two Cray. We don't know his middle name. That's a good his point. His middle name could also be Cray. And his name is Cray Cray Fowler? Cray Cray Fowler. Honestly, I'd that, watch that movie. That'd be awesome. <laughs> okay, so Cray Fowler is played by... <laughs> that's every other movie James Spader has been in. Mm-hmm. Um, play, <laughs> played by James Spader who um, I thought was okay in this movie. We both thought he looked good. He had a wide pants situation that was not assisted by the stretching of the <laughs> image. Yeah, stretched image. Yeah. He had a weird physicality he, to him. He did at several moments had weird physicality. Like, like, like clearly, like, made a choice. Yeah. And, like, whenever he would stand and, like... He would, it, like, have one leg cocked. It would be, like, a weird pose, but, like, his hip would be out all uh-huh. weird. It was, it was very strange. But also... For it being 1992, looked very handsome. Really his good. His hair, hair was, was good. Was not super fucking 90s yeah. like it could have been. Like, because he's got really thick hair, and it wasn't 
yeah. poofy and, and lumped up I over his ears. I did want to touch it with my hands. Yeah. And like one of those where it looks good when it's like just kind of thick and, uh-huh. and combed back. And then also we could like slick it back and it like, <laughs> yeah, it was, I'm on board. <laughs> And you talked so much about his hair during the movie, too. Yeah, it was good fucking hair. <laughs> I'm telling you. James Spader hair stand. You're going to tell me I'm wrong? No, you can't. <laughs> so he's a former former public defender. Uh, he's running for... Current uh, public defender. Apparently. Yeah, apparently. like Because also, he decides at some point he doesn't need to campaign, and it's just like, I'm going to take on this fucking yeah. murder case. Yeah, he's also running for Congress for presumably this part of it because it takes place in um in new orleans um his father was also a lawyer and a politician um who died years and years ago in a quote unquote hunting accident yeah but they also keep referring to it as suicide sometimes yeah and the beginning so that was the first thing is like when we were watching the guy hunting with his dog at the beginning i was like to me that read that that guy came across the body right so it did not i did not realize the hunting thing was prominent in the plot you know what and i mean it like, isn't it this hunt the hunting thing we saw at the beginning is the jason robards character at the end so oh. where, where to assume oh we're juxtapositioning him reading about his dead father and this jason robards thing or, or, or you're to presume oh you see the gun you see but no, this is Jason Robards at the end killing himself. And twist the thing that we thought was his, <sighs> like it was unnecessary, like because so out the gate this first like you're looking at the it's the, so much shit to read. It's so much shit to read. You're seeing these images where they like mention suicide, but there's a gun pointing forward, right? As though he's being shot, and then you see a body floating in the water. It doesn't make sense. And you keep saying Fowler, Fowler, and we have no idea right, who this person is. No and like because Fowler is a name that kind of looks like a word, it doesn't like stand out immediately as a name. Like so to me that was part of it that I, I read see, it yeah. and it didn't like it didn't pop to me as like oh, I was that, just that, yeah. I was just reading word salad. Yeah. I mean you kind of are but but the thing is like the first thing you see is uh, a newspaper headline and it's just and then, and then a super tight close up of James Spader's eyes, mm-hmm. who you mm-hmm. have have For to just years and years just have to know right. that's James Spader and that he's the protagonist mm-hmm. of your movie because you don't get any establishing shots, mm-hmm. you don't get any wide shots, None. you don't get any. You're just thrown into this shit, mm-hmm. and it, but not in an interesting way, right? You're not dropped in in media res. You're dropped in halfway through the first act, right? You're, and like, and then they're like throwing you a bunch of shit to try to catch up. Mm-hmm. It's like they were expecting that you like did your homework and read the book before going to watch right. this. Well, and there's, and this is I know a complaint I make frequently, but like there are so many white guys around the same age who kind of look alike to me, <laughs> so it was just impossible to like keep track of all of these people who like I vaguely yeah. recognized, and you know anyway. And uh, then they they made a conscious effort to cast. His wife with the other attorney, yeah, who look actively alike. look alike, and they to make the point a, they comment upon they, it. Like, I I didn't realize who the fuck was who. Oh God, no! It was like in a movie that's this complex. They they did a terrible job of of starting you out by saying, "Here, are my you players. might get lost, mm-hmm. but let's." start everybody at the same place they just start you and like hope you pick that up yeah they one solution i'm thinking of is they could have like started it at the dad's funeral so you have somebody standing up there and just delivering exposition deliver exposition and then show him as a kid yeah zoom in give him his close up and zoom out dissolve dissolve to james spader okay boom this is the kid's dad we know who he is now good notes like yeah, it just... It should be script doctor. Like, I mean, this is just common sense, yeah, though, I yeah. feel Yeah, this like. is basic storytelling. Like, I, I'm I'm curious what he, what was going through his mind mm-hmm. in this opening. Mm-hmm. Um, so, early on, uh, Cray has an affair with one of his servants, Lee Tran, who he meets in Storyville, the... So yeah, so this the titular was, club. He's they're having a fundraiser 
party, like picnic thing. Mm -hmm. He gives a nice speech. Mm -hmm. Um, The, they, one of the, the help, the servers or cocktail waitress or whatever she was. Caterer. um, The Jason Robards character calls her over, who I guess is his uncle at this point. His uncle. Like later, oh no, it's actually his dad, Mm -hmm. but that didn't do anything oh. that made no, no difference to any of the story mm. so who cares no. um there's a lot of reveals that i didn't care about yeah, exactly and so they call her over and like oh the man needs a drink and uh and then at the end of that scene she gives him a, a napkin that says meet me at storyville at 9 30 or whatever mm-hmm. and he's just like okay so i don't know <laughs> no questions like, here i'm running for congress but like what i don't know is like is there already something happening between them what, I, is this yeah, his first meeting with I her? I don't know. Oh, it, does she have information for him? Mm-hmm. Why is he there? I assumed it was she wanted just, to fuck him. That's, and, and that's, that's what why happens. Right. Well, that, and that's what he, that was his understanding and then, as well. But then based on what her father's doing with her, is she just trying to get money? Like, is she... Pro, like propositioning him for her father? Yeah, she's she. Or does she? she does she trying, actually want him? Um, like, because she doesn't try to take money. No, because she. That's not her jam. Her. It's she is the one who lures rich and powerful men in, fucks them. Right. Meanwhile, the dad is recording. So recording it's all. It. It's there's no straight prostitution. It's all just this blackmail version. Exactly. Of, oh, okay. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, got it, got it, got it. That makes okay. Because okay, that makes a little more sense. Because at because when I was reading like a summer like a really short mm-hmm. like two sentence summary, that was one of the things is like he has sex with you know he is sleeping with a sex worker, gets caught and gets blackmailed. I thought that's what the plot was going to be, right? But that's not what's going on. The, he the daughter was manipulated into exactly. It. Got it. Exactly. That that was I mean, not clear. She did yeah. not have to work that hard to sure, sure. <laughs> to I mean, manipulate she, well, him, she, and then she brought him in with like. Here's this cool looking. It's like a dojo. Yeah, like martial arts, fucking arena or whatever, and like she changes and puts on like a sexy gi. Sexy gi, yeah, sexy. <laughs> and like, and then like immediately like just walks up behind him, flips him. Yep. And then slaps him across the face, and yep. he's like, "I'm not in the habit of hitting girl." And then like mid sentence is like, "Blah blah," just like like and jab like in the a face, straight... just like he, you. He was trying to break her nose. <laughs> he did break. Like, <laughs> there's no reason her nose isn't broken and she doesn't have big black eyes yeah. through the entire movie because he just squared up and bop right in the fucking face. Laid her was, out, like, too. In mid-sentence of saying, I'm not in the habit of hitting girls. Bop, bop. <laughs> like, it was insane. Like, both you and I jumped at a yeah. moment of like, ah! <laughs> like, <laughs> like, why the fuck did that just happen? When we were in Kentucky, we watched, Holy um, shit. we watched both of the, uh, not Willow Man, what's it called? Wicker Man. Wicker Man. Willow Man's a different movie. Um, Willow, Joanne Whaley-Kilmer, who's the prosecuting attorney, is from Willow. So that comes full circle. It was full circle from what to what? Willow. <laughs> Two story though. <laughs> the movie Willow. That's a straight line. <laughs> but if you go back and forth. Oh, that's not a straight line. It's a, like a long oval. <laughs> it's, it's a stretch circle because we watched it. That's one, an ellipse. Because we watched it. <laughs> And it was stretched. It was a circle when it was in one, th- one by three. This is why three. you can't drink while we're and watching the movie. <laughs> stretched it to sixteen nine. It's fine. I hey, just... give me a better movie and we'll be all right. <laughs> I'm talking to you directly, Mark Frost. Oh boy. Okay. Um, Let's. I, okay. I actually Look. had a salient point to make, ass. Oh no, just that we we're. Wicker Man wearing oh, Nick Cage. A lot of women punching in that movie. Texting. A lot of women Just punching. kicks Lily Sobieski yeah. in the fucking <laughs> face. So, yeah, for sure. I genuinely cannot believe how good the original Wicker Man was. I cannot believe I, how... It helps, I think, that you watch the other one first. Because the original Wicker Man is, is wild, but like you would have been like, what the fuck am I watching? But had you not seen how much more insane and stupid they took it, yeah, I think that helped you appreciate the original Wicker Man more. 
Yeah, probably. Like I understood the concept of what was going on. Right. Yeah, that's fair. Um, before so before we got to the dojo or whatever, I also wanted to make note of. So he has that exchange in the office with the other guy who I don't really know what he is or does, but he is the endorsement that he really needs. Yes. The, wait, did you ask me a question? I'm a little bit. Uh, the, who is he? I, I know um, he really wanted his endorsement, but I don't really seemed, know who he is. They did. I don't. I didn't catch uh, an sure. explanation, but I just understood prominent, that he was this prominent figure that he wants his endorsement. Have they exchange? Spader sitting down, and the guy basically is like, "Your family was awful, and mm-hmm. we're like slave owners and mm-hmm. shit." And he was like, "Oh, why are you bad mouthing my family and whatever?" But when he walks into the room, he gives the most insane handshake. Oh, the handshake. Like, they both put out their arms like a firm, like, I'm a man handshake. That thing. And then they touch hands and then just wiggle wiggle back and forth. (laughs) Like, like both of them have, like, a matching shoulder shimmy in this way that's like, what the fuck was that? It It was was just like, they just like, It was it was insane, and I just so wanted to strange. call that out. If anyone notices, we, it was, I'm curious if anyone's even gonna watch this movie. I, I, I don't know where you're gonna find it. No, I, I don't think they will. To see if you could rent it on Amazon or anything like that. Oh, I assumed you did, and that's why. I... No, it was just one of those that like it was an eight dollar DVD, and I was like, it's a Mark Frost. I want to support Mark Frost, so I bought a copy, and I, I want to support Mark Frost a little bit less. Well, because <laughs> it was not very good. Here's the problem: is Storyville is really hard to Google for some reason. <laughs> They're like trying to actively. It's like buried. Yeah. And Blackfish keeps coming up when I'm. Yeah. It's genuinely. I just looked on Just Watch and I. it's just not listed in yeah, there. <laughs> among their catalog. Um, okay. So. All right. Here we go. So he fucks. Uh, Charlotte Lewis is the actress. Uh, Lee Tran is her character. It- and and I and I'll say I'm not checked out yet at this point. Uh-huh. This is a this is a very nineties, uh-huh. but but well done. Like mm-hmm. what what I liked about this scene and I kinda of was commenting on it while we were watching it is it looks very nineties. First of all, they're like banging in a hot tub, yeah. pool, whatever that thing is. And what was very common in the nineties in these like soft on what teeters between softcore and just the 90s erotic thrillers your Mm -hmm. Brian De Palma movies and Mm -hmm. things like that is shooting sex scenes in like a voyeuristic way yes yes so that you look like you're like ooh I'm watching through a window Mm -hmm. or or between some like thin like a chandelier or yeah or like (laughs) gauzy thin veiled like like lace Mm -hmm. or you know or um like a like curtain or whatever yeah. that's blowing around and occasionally obstructs stuff, but not always. And you're kind of panning across this thing, and you're oh, this is through this window, and it's it's kind of cool looking. And then you come all the way across to the viewfinder of a camera that it's being filmed, and I was like, oh, mm-hmm. that's actually a pretty cool reveal because I thought this was just this is how you shoot '90s sex scenes, right? Um. And and going into this, didn't look at a plot summary, didn't look at anything. The only thing Neither I knew is it was co-written by Mark Frost and Lee Reynolds, I think the guy's name was. Mm-hmm. Directed by Mark Frost and starred James Spader. Literally, that's all I knew about it. And that was more than I knew. <laughs> yeah, but but even still, like, so I was like, I don't know if this is whatever. It's it's it almost. So the, 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 but this was cool. This 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 sequence, the the whole sex scene was Lee Reynolds was the co-writer. Yeah, is that what I said? I think I that's know. what I said. Um, it was it was well done. It was well shot. It was a good reveal of the camera. It, it was a little less cool when the when her dad popped into frame to like get close to the camera so yeah, you could see who it was, great. which was like way too close up. And also we hadn't met that character right. yet. So that doesn't mean anything to me. Yeah. So we don't know. Does she like, we don't, we right. have no idea what's going it, on. It, it, and I guess it's the reveal at the end is yeah, she did know. And that's, but, but it was the problem I think was that he leaned into frame and it was like, Oh, he's an Asian man. 
related or I think you're supposed to assume in in a, yeah. in a little bit of a Which racist a, way oh she's a, Asian he's Asian they're probably connected but she's not Asian right but like <laughs> which really hurts that leap that they're trying to send you on right yeah that sure I mean she's set up as being Asian though yeah and it was the 90s of right. like She's exotic, which is anything <laughs> you have, to me. And they have the moment. I don't know. This, whatever that summer is, probably doesn't. <laughs> but here's the thing that I like about Storyville is we get an answer on the Twin Peaks moment when <laughs> we get the headline of Asian man killed. And they were like, who the, what the fuck is that headline? No one is putting an Asian man killed headline in the newspaper. What the fuck is that? And then later in this movie, you get Asian woman Woman held for the murder of whatever. Of her father, yeah. And it was... He lost his mind. I honestly, I'm curious at this point. Like, I was a child for all intents and purposes in the 90s. Um, Did 90s newspaper headlines, were they that blatantly racist? Oh, I don't know. Like, did they put shit like Asian man held? Or did they just say man held in the murder of what da, 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 da. Um, man held I, in the in suspicion of whatever whatever right did did they say Asian man Asian woman why the fuck is that relevant I don't think it was I think it is a tool that um, right that Mark Frost uses if there's <laughs> that's what I'm thinking it's not a writer tool it's a it Mark might it, is this a thing that Mark Frost is tapping into because it's prominent in the 90s of how no i think or is it mark frost (laughs) maybe doesn't understand that there's a little bit of racism behind that um i think it is a tool that he uses when there's a lot of people and it helps specify (sighs) like this person is dead it's the asian guy this woman has been arrested (sighs) it's the asian lady you know what I mean? Like that's what I yeah. think. And and in a, in stories that are entirely white. In stories that are entirely white and slash or have many 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 characters floating around. Because and well, none and of them are none of them are Asian. Like at least at least they made the effort to set it in New Orleans, which is prominently all white people. Yes. Oh, so famously. many white so many white people living in. Yeah. Sorry, I can't. Almost. <laughs> I can't do that with a straight face. Yeah. It's yeah. There. There's not a lot. Um, so anyway, let's, uh, let's go away from the racism, huh? So one night, (laughs) let's go back to the woman punching. (laughs) One night Lee shows up injured at his house and tells him that her father, uh, Zhang Tran, is that how they said it? Zhang? I don't even remember catching a name to be honest. It's X-A-N-G and I'm not, I think it's, uh, I think it's Zhang. Anyway, I'm sorry if I'm wrong. Uh, I think X's or Z sounds if I'm not missing. I thought it was I thought it was a j sound. I think ch is or is or just or j sound. Like Chloe Zhao, the director, C H A A O. It's Zhao. Anyway. Anyway, yeah. I, we're trying. She says that her uh, that Zhang has been periodically getting her to sleep with the rich men so he can videotape and blackmail them. And that, but that's not revealed for a while. Like I know this this is is really hitting the overarching points. Um, one thing that we we glossed over that I, I I think needs to be addressed is so he does this so he goes in she kind of beats him up a little bit <laughs> he breaks her nose which is fine for whatever reason they bang mm. in the hot tub it's filmed and then the next day. Apparently his leg was shattered in 17 places because his limp that he walks around with and until shit. he goes to the chiropractor or massage or whatever that guy is. Don't remember that. In the athletic club where he meets his friend boxing. Oh, sure, he, sure, he sure. He gets sure, like sure. a massage oh, or whatever okay. beforehand. And then he's fine. But his limp is like, like, like he's got a brace on his leg where he's not allowed to bend his mm-hmm. knee. It is he, it's the most nah. dramatic limp. And I don't know... If they were trying to say that, like, oh, she beat him up, 
and or so he was sore, so or she fucked him so good that his knee went bad. Oh, I assumed it was from the fighting, but boy, oh boy, would it be very I, funny I to me if it was. I don't I, know because I his fucked knees... a lady so hard in a hot tub yeah. <laughs> that I maybe just like banged his knee. And, and they conveniently, I will say conveniently. From behind, the, so that you could see both faces in the videotape. That was clutch. Uh-huh. That was very important. Yeah. It was it was the the sexual equivalent of sitcom dinner tables where everybody yeah, yeah, sits yeah. on one Nobody side. Nobody sits of the, on the yeah. on the fourth side. Yeah. Um. Okay. But yeah, that limp went on. He walked up and downstairs. He had interactions, and everyone was like, "Oh, what happened to you?" And he's like, "Oh, blah, blah, blah. but like, it's one thing to be like, oh, sore, mm-hmm. and like you can." That's that's an example when we're talking about his physicality choices. Mm-hmm. Where, all right, all right, James Spader, take it down. On yeah, <laughs> like you you're you're playing it like you were shot in the kneecap, uh-huh. and that's not what happened. She flipped you once and then slapped you a few times. Yeah, that has nothing to do with your fucking leg. Or something else happened, and we as an audience just don't get to know about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was cut out because of whatever. Yeah, maybe. But the only thing she does is she flips him and then like slaps him a few times. Like that judo flip that yeah. everybody does. Which that, like, doesn't, doesn't even anybody. involve your fucking legs. Yeah. If anything, that pulled your arm out. Yeah, your like, shoulder. Yeah. Um, okay, so Cray and Lee go back to Zhang's house to retrieve the tape. While looking around, Zhang shows up and gets in a fight with Cray, knocking... Do you remember how he even found out about the tape? What? Like, how does he know... Well, according to this, she told him. That could have just been the time that we were talking. I, I just, that she just explained the plot of the movie and we just missed it. I, yeah, like this. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I really wanted to follow this. It's just so convoluted. Uh, Cray comes to and he finds a bloody knife next to him and Zhang's, body, Zhang, Zhang's dead body. He assumes that Lee killed him, so he takes the bloody knife and leaves just in the nick of time before the cops show up. Yeah. This is where he was like running down the stairs, gets to a gate, and is like, oh, can't do that. My best way out is to go all the way back up the stairs and climb over the roof mm-hmm. instead of hopping a fence. Yeah. Yeah, that uh, makes sense. So. <laughs> okay, so Lee gets arrested for her father's murder. He feels somewhat responsible for everything, so he decides that he's going to defend her. So that's why he is lawyering again. Um, and apparently, yeah, not with that decision apparently just isn't campaigning yeah, anymore. We really don't hear a lot about the like the campaign. W- most people when they're campaigning for any political office, they Full-time kind of job. yeah, they kind of either quit their job or really go on like a sabbatical yeah. kind of thing. He is oh, I'm going to I should probably take up a new case. Well, and also this case goes to trial immediately. Immediately. This would take a year and a half minimum this, to get to trial. It's one of the things that I hate most about, like crime dramas, mm-hmm. is is how quickly yeah court cases take place. Yeah, especially considering like the defendant is almost always just sitting in jail for that year and a half or whatever. Right. Like it's like it's it's always and it's always like oh the victim like got whatever attacked and like they're on the stand and still have a black yeah, eye exactly. and shit. You're like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, with that's this? law and order bullshit. Yeah. Um Okay, so uh so he's defending her even though it could derail his campaign and even though he hasn't practiced law recently, which doesn't sound like that much of a favor, but who the fuck am I? But he uh, does <laughs> at least have a giant like even if he's not campaigning, mm. he does at least have that giant picture of himself in his campaign headquarters. Yeah, yeah. Which you gotta remember the dream. I, Jim Spader, uh, for sure owns that to I this day. Really, really feel like it would not surprise me if he did, and I want James Spader to like have that in like a loft apartment somewhere in New York, of just this like ceiling to floor, wall to wall portrait of just him like like pontificating about yeah. some like whatever just and it's black and white and it's oh so my God. dramatic and i i want like je- here's the thing i want to think that he took that and he has that and it's in a loft apartment somewhere more so 
I want to think that that existed before they were shooting this. And they were like, hey, James, you got this giant portrait of you on a wall. Can we use it? Yeah, bring it on in. Like, that would have been even better. And they had to pay him for yeah, the red oh, for sure, for sure. Um, like, like the way we get we get Nick Cage's snakeskin jacket for Wild at Heart. Sure. Mark Frost is like, can we bring in James Spader's giant portrait? Ah. Absolutely. I love it. Um, So during the trial, a photographer in the apartment below Zhang claims he witnessed Lee killing him, but his his testimony falls apart under cross-examination. Cray ends up finding a gay man who is being photographed that night. Is it the subject of the aforementioned photographer is just a different photography Because there's the woman, he's taking pictures. Oh, with the boobs. with With the huge boobs. Yeah. Clearly, that's not the same as this man. Man and like '90s ambiguous. Yeah, I like man in drag or trans or probably is trans, but didn't know to be out as trans right. back then. Whatever that thing, like that was a very big plot point in the mm-hmm. in the early '90s. Yeah, a la the Crying Game. I don't know which one of these came out first. I've never seen the Crying Game. But but that but. The Crying Game, Silence of the Lambs, sure. like these were sure, this sure, sure. nebulous male female thing was happening. God, which I guess in the explains. early nineties, in a way that in a, in the and being used as a catalyst for thriller twists. Yeah, that does explain a lot about some. It explains some about like how much transphobia exists because every nineties thriller oh, was like yeah. the twist is. She was a man and yeah. tricked him I mean, into even sex. Fucking like Ace Ventura. Oh god, that's that was a fucking rough. thing. Like, ugh. All right. Um. So and so, Cray ends this, up this courtroom sequence, which is a good portion of the film, kind of the rest of the movie, does a lot of fucking heavy lifting. It's so and but it's so it's fucking. It's man. you get an hour. You're you're about an hour, hour and ten into this movie before mm-hmm. you go to court. And then I'm lost. I'm completely lost at what's fucking happening. And the court scene is required to explain Mm -hmm. everything. It isn't revealing stuff. It isn't giving me like, oh, that's, oh, I knew it because this and this is a big, oh, da, 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 da. Like, Like it's not the end of my cousin Vinny. It's, yeah. (laughs) Where it's it's like, aha. And that's an entire courtroom drama. Like, it's, it's. I would argue this is somewhat a courtroom drama. Yeah, but I, it. They don't set that up, and no. you don't you don't see a courtroom until an hour in. Yeah. Like, and then you need it to explain anything that's happening. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, this entire movie is exposition. And that's why I think the book was probably much better. Yeah. It's just, it just seems like a piece of material that doesn't transfer well to film. No, yeah, I agree. I and you had said a couple times, like, there's bones of a good movie in here. I'm not sure. The, the key there. is that you needed to shrink it down dramatically. Oh, yeah. You needed to cut out a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Um, like, this is the thing I bet would benefit is, like, a miniseries or something like that that, like, gives you a lot more breathing you, yeah, room. You either need to make it, um, uh, you know, a six-hour miniseries, mm-hmm. or you need to cut out half of it and make it a ninety-minute feature, or, or just leave it as a book. Not everything needs to be right. covered. Sure, and, it, and it's a shame because Mark Frost is a good writer. That that was what I he's kept a, coming. He's good at dialogue. He's good at setting things up and making them pay off. And it was like this. This reads like somebody on a coke binge who's like, and then this happens, and then this happens, yeah. and it. Uh, yeah, that was kind of what I kept being surprised by was like the dialogue sucked, and that's I mean, what I go to Mark Frost for. When I go to dialogue, what I have written down in my notes is "mighty big turd in the punch bowl," as we all say. That is apparent. They mentioned this in the movie. Is like you know what they say? That's a mighty big turd in the punch bowl, or something like that. Don't remember what it was referring to. Don't remember anything about it. I wrote down "mighty big turd in the punch bowl," just in case. And it comes I don't up later. really know why. But what? Yeah, it was disappointing. Genuinely, this, this movie was like not as much. It was terrible. It was just really disappointing because yeah. we both really like and respect yeah. Mark Frost and wanted. I I was really yeah I was really I really mean, hoping going into this like 
okay, we talked, you know, we talked about all of Twin Peaks and Mark Frost and David Lynch and the the collaboration between the two, and it's amazing and it's wonderful. Let's talk about the Mark or the David Lynch movies, and oh, these are wild, and they're David Lynch's vision, and he's so unique and yeah. he's so great. Nobody ever gives uh, Mark Frost credit. He was a co-creator, and yeah. he's a hugely important part of Twin Peaks. He's gonna go off and do his own. Fuck! Yeah. This is what you came up with, buddy. And it it gives credence to the people who are like, "Yeah, Twin Peaks is good because of David Lynch." Yeah, and and Mark Frost is just kind of also there. And I always want to give Mark Frost his credit for Twin Peaks is David Lynch and Mark Frost. Mm-hmm together you don't have it without them but you watch david lynch movies and you watch this his only fucking movie and you're like but he's not a director is the problem and so i think that he i i think there are people who are just better at collaboration like i listen i did not like this movie however i do not think that is an it is enough to overshadow what mark frost did as a partner with okay with yeah, David fair. with David Lynch, right? Like that's a great way to look. Yeah. Like Simon and Garfunkel, <laughs> uh, Garfunkel did not do a lot when they split up, but like he had an amazing voice and he was He's a, actually a pretty good actor too. Well, there you go. Yeah, which is probably one of the other reasons that Simon and Garfunkel was so popular, and that's why no, you contributed I just, that. No, just like he went on and like, did did a handful of movies, and he's actually but quite regard- good in some of them. Right, regardless, and so like it's very easy, and I think most people do say like Simon and Garfunkel was Paul Simon, but like fucking Garfun- Garfunkel's voice is a gift from God. Yeah. Like and that and Paul Simon is not nearly as strong a singer, it's, so it's in, it's yeah. just impossible to say. Yeah. I, I just I just think he is not a person who can yeah can it's the same hold thing. a project uh, down. It's like Ringo too. Like it's it's the he's a fucking metronome or whatever. Yeah, and you sometimes me. need someone to just be that in. You know what? I just watched Mythic Quest, and I feel like when you the first time you watched it, there was a that was the other time that you brought up Ringo on this podcast because there's a whole episode about how. I feel like I bring up I I I've you're a for years I a firm Ringo defender. Oh, big time, big Big Ringo defender. Because because from from for someone who doesn't have rhythm, Mm -hmm. to see somebody who has rhythm that on point and isn't showy about it. To me, that is like an understated, like, I don't know. Can I I float another Ringo Mikey opinion? You're going to float my opinion? (laughs) A Ringo Mikey theory. I think that you... I don't know what that means, but all right. uh, You have always been friends with a lot of musicians and things like that. Yep. And while you are not with a capital N a musician yourself <gasps> you understand that you have provided valuable feedback and are a part of your friends musical experiences whether you're the photographer or whether you're the buddy mm-hmm. or whatever and I think you identify with an unsung hero of a oh 100% a yeah. uh, and you're an underdog guy that's a and it's like I know I know like specifically Brian in particular Brad is another one um, I say that like people have an idea who I'm Listen, talking about, but nobody's listening. These this. are musicians and songwriters and friends of mine who come to me and say like, "This is the new thing I'm working on. Tell me what you think, because I know you're not going to be like, oh, what if what if you shifted whatever and I like because I don't know that shit. Mm-hmm. I know." Yeah, You're not going to say this should be in a major key instead of a minor that's, key. Yeah, that's what I was going to say when I when I was just starting to say, like, oh, this should be. That's what I was going to say. And I was like, is that a thing you can just do? I don't know. I mean, no, but. That's what I mean. Like, but that's it's an example thing. of technical right. But, like, you're not going to be like, oh, you should speed that up to I be mean, on this beat or this is whatever. It's to me, like, I, I think this has a hook that I that resonates with me. Mm. This doesn't. I, I don't like that. I find this thing grating for whatever reason. Mm. I those are things and I had no problems being blatantly honest with mm-hmm. my friends of being like, nah, I'm, I'm kind of not into this song. It just kind of sucks. Yeah. I don't know why. Don't know what it is, but I'm not into it. Right. And they'll go back and rework it or whatever. And but um, yeah, but I, I, I mean, 
I've you know it goes back to being a Cub fan as a kid and whatever. It's mm-hmm. the underdog. I've always liked that. Um, so that's my thoughts on Ringo. But how did we get on Ringo? <laughs> oh, just about how. Oh, Mark Frost is the unsung a- hero of Twin Peaks. Got it. Yeah. Right. Um. Anyway. Okay. So. So he finds. Um. He well. So he finds the the gay guy. Mm-hmm. Dressed as a man, like male presenting in that bar. Yeah. um, And talks him into testifying for him. Um, So he says that. And like that's that's an example, I feel like, of poor storytelling is that this person who's the key witness. Mm -hmm. And is a very unique character. Mm -hmm. Got so little play. We didn't we didn't meet them until they were there to tell the story. Like their name isn't even listed here. That's exactly like, yeah, like it wasn't like they didn't, they didn't preface this care. I don't, I mean, maybe they did and I missed it, but like, I feel like they didn't set up this character. Like they were like, there wasn't like, Oh, this, this, this is a callback to, Oh, remember when he saw, Oh, I get it. That was a man this whole time. Or that was a... Like, no. It was just like, I have a crazy idea. Like... Right. It, it, yeah. Um, so... So this guy, this person, and he's... They're dressed as a... They're female presenting when they go in the stand. Um, was being photographed that night. Um, they saw everything that happened. Um... They testify that the investigating cop is actually the killer. <laughs> Conveniently, they saw everything because they decided to do the knife handoff in front of the window. Mm-hmm. He came down and like mm-hmm. everything was done at that window. And he was just like watching the popcorn. Right. Um, so uh, as they're speaking, the cop in question opens fire in the courtroom. Cop, to- the cop, of course, is Jean Renault. Jean Renault. Michael Parks. Correct. Um so uh, Jean Renault tries to kill our witness, but before he can, the judge who oh I don't remember this at all the judge who also carries a gun kills the officer and well, Lee is acquitted. Catch that either. I didn't either. I just saw the two security guards coming in. Yeah, and I saw a couple room. of people got shot. Like, yeah. hmm. interesting. So what the fuck judge is carrying a gun into the yeah, courtroom? That, I mean, it's Louisiana, Ooh. I guess. Yeah, that's true. Um. Okay, so it turns <laughs> the way movie pooper puts it. <laughs> also, it turns out, <laughs> which that's that's kind of how this entire yeah. movie is structured. Also, this yeah, it does oh, feel oh, like ju- I got an idea. <laughs> yeah, it does feel like a connect the dots piece a yeah, little bit. Yeah, man. Um, so it turns out the cop and the politician who's running against Cray were acquaintances. So even though Cray's rival had nothing to do with the murder, the association is enough to destroy his popularity, and Cray wins the election. Well, because the opponent drops out, they mention that's what. The, Are you sure they mentioned dropping? That's what the TV announcer was saying. Oh, and the TV announcer—it was hard to tell. It was a really bad res thing, but might have been Mark Frost. Yeah, we're not sure about that. And I would have thought that that would have been a really clever bit because it could have also been like Cyril Pons because mm-hmm. that was his big cameo in Twin Peaks. Right. Was, was Cyril Pons the news reporter and having him be a news reporter again mm-hmm. I thought would have been really cool. Yeah, it'd be a good bit. Um, and I couldn't quite tell, but there's a good... And I didn't see any credit. I looked through the cast list. I didn't see any credited news reporters. Oh, so you think it's... So it, it could have very well been Mark Frost, yeah. which would have been great. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, there's also a subplot about some former slaves getting paid for some land purchases, but it turns out that the names of the recipients were all dead and buried, so no money was getting paid out, and some wealthy landowners made off like bandits. Cray's father was getting to the bottom of this right before his untimely death. Yeah. In these, uh, like, there was, it was really, really hard to tell what was considered a subplot and what was considered a plot. <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah. Um, in the end, it's revealed that Cray's slippery uncle Clifford is responsible for everything bad going on. He was involved with the land payment cover-up. He arranged for Cray to get videotaped just to keep him in line. He got the cop to kill Zhang because he was threatening to expose Clifford. He was out hunting with Cray's father and shot him many years ago. Now that Cray knows the truth, 
He demands the return of his videotape and pretty much makes it clear that Clifford will no longer have any power over anything. The movie concludes with two events happening simultaneously. Cray giving his victory speech and Clifford going off on another hunting trip where he arranges for the same where he arranges for the same gun that killed where he arranges for the same gun that killed Cray's father to kill himself. Which was well done, I think. That the conclusion that, was interesting. Like that that juxtaposition of all that. What I want to talk about that didn't get brought up at all in that summary. Catherine Martell. Piper Laurie. Oh, yeah. What was she what was, doing? Was, what was what her character? What the fuck what was her was character, her character doing? Uh, she she plays Cray's mother. Mm-hmm. Also a nun, question mark? Uh, maybe. Maybe just a, an insane person? Because she is... Uh, no, but she talks really specifically about going to the convent at the end, doesn't she? I don't... She was also just like... Never really making eye contact and everything was oh, do, 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 oh. as though she was just like in the loony bit. Like, oh my god, Mark Frost started writing the screenplay in 1987. Yes, that's the only piece of trivia on all of IMDb. That bums me out in a really real way of like something he worked on for five years just was a pile of poop. I, I mean, I wanted good things uh, for you, Mark Frost. Three, three and a half or four years, probably. He took a break. I'm sure he started to write it, took a break for Twin Peaks. Well, no, but when, like... You know what I mean? Like, when it, you start... Like, I haven't worked on my novel in a long time, but I would... If I yeah. ever finish it, I would say I started it in 2020. You know what I mean? Like, I've yeah. been working on it since that's 2020. What, yeah, but that's what I mean is that, like, I don't think he was actively working on it for five years. Mm-hmm. Um, it made very little money. Whoops. Yeah, that's not surprising. No. Made... God, it made a, $100,000 domestic. That Oof. is... Not great. I'm trying to find and like the um nine dollars of that is my DVD purchase. Yeah, probably definitely for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, like unfortunately, there's just not much else to dive into. Yeah, like, there's nothing. There's no information about yeah. it. It's hard to find. It's and it's it's kind of curious to read the book. It's called Juryman. Yeah, Juryman. It's just hmm. yeah, like. There were, there were too many characters. There was too much. Ha- like, I, I was at no point in the entire film was I grounded in anything, mm. and that's a problem. Oh yeah, I was. I, I never had a handle on what was happening, and I was actively trying. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, it's really easy for any. Daddy, like, stop. It's really easy for any viewer who doesn't have a strong connection to Twin Peaks, David Lynch, Mark Frost, to be like, oh, I want to like this because I appreciate and respect Mark Frost. It's really easy to like for a random viewer to be like, oh, there's a movie coming out. It's a political intrigue, sexy mm-hmm. thriller. Not very sexy, only at the beginning. Well, but, you know, it's yeah. the catalyst for the movie is sex. Sure. Like, it's easy to go in and be like, oh, okay, I want to watch this. That sounds good. Oh, this is fucking awful. Ugh. I have no idea what's happening. I don't know what's going on. I'm actively trying hard mm. to like this and appreciate it and love it. And it was just... And just understand it. Hard. Yeah. yeah. I just didn't know what was going on most of the time. Mm-hmm. And when I did, I just didn't care. Yeah. Like, the stakes felt really low. Yeah. What did we just watch about? Oh, we just watched Sixth Day, and it was this. It felt the same thing as watching the Sixth Day of like. I guess I kind of understand what's happening. I don't care about don't anybody. Yeah. Like I assumed because he was uh, James Spader was a lawyer and, and a politician and played by James Sla- and Spader, had, who tends to and play had like great hair and had great hair, <laughs> and James Spader tends to play kind of slippery guys. Yeah, and so I think. In the back of my head, I was just waiting for him to be revealed as, like, the bad guy. Because mm-hmm. he's a white guy. He's a rich guy. He's, like, a legacy family person. He's James Spader. He's, he's running for politician. Congress. He's, yeah, like, he's... that feels like somebody who's, like, I thought it was going to be, oh, he found out he got blackmailed. And then is, like, gets twisted up trying to save his name. And it really wasn't that at all. That's And that's what I would have liked to have seen. Right. You know, that would have been a like better movie. Almost anything else. Yeah, it's... <sighs> Is a bit of a bummer. Yeah, it's too bad. 
Um, but on the bright side, it's only 6.20, so we didn't do a four-hour record and then have to go to mm. bed immediately after. So, yeah. um, All right. What do we have up next? Do you know off the top of your dome? <laughs> Probably Wilson. Lost Highway. Lost Highway, that's correct. Which I'm excited about. I very much like Lost mm-hmm. Highway. We'll have to record that next weekend because otherwise we'll be in Colorado. Unless there's anyone in Colorado who wants to record Lost Highway with us. Oh, you, sorry. Just to be clear, Mikey, you're offering for a stranger to just be a guest on our podcast? Mm-hmm. Oh. We have friends in Colorado. Oh, I see what you mean. None of them would be especially good at. Why are you doing that what face? What about Aiden? Well, Aiden's a child. He's a grown adult now. Okay, this is boring. Um. um <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, this was I I susp- I'm curious if this is why Mark Frost doesn't direct movies anymore. Like I'm wondering if he was like if I'm I'm curious about what Mark Mark Frost's thoughts on this movie are. If he's proud of it or like if it's like, oh, it's really good if you just gotta whatever once you get it it's all all mm-hmm. the pieces are there you just or, i'm proud of what i did people didn't get it I, sure. i'm happy with how it ended or if it's this like, was the vision i had yeah i realized in this process i'm not a film director mm-hmm. i i should be a writer mm-hmm. and i should stick with that mm-hmm. and i'm wondering if because he could, it's one thing to direct an episode of tv because mm-hmm. he directed i think two episodes of twin peaks mm-hmm. he directed a handful of episodes of like hill street blues i think Sure. Um, a natural next step after sure. Twin Peaks. I mean, before Twin Peaks. A natural step before Twin Peaks. <laughs> um, but it's, yeah, I, I, I'm curious if he made a conscious effort after this to be like, that's not yeah. where I belong. Yeah. But, and I mean, he got Ron Garcia, who did Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me as a director of photography. Mm-hmm. Carter Burwell, who is a noteworthy music, um, composer to do the music. Like, <laughs> By all, you were, he was set up for success. This should have worked. I mean, he has good actors. Like, yeah. it, you know, it's not like he was dealing with like a famously bad or hard to work with actor. Sure, sure. So. Anyway, um, listen, uh, Mark Frost, if you're listening, Mark, buddy, we love you, buddy. We do. We want good things for you. <laughs> um, just, but yeah, I I loved reading his books. I love. No, I for real. No, I thought like, you were gonna say I loved reading the book, as if you read the book that this is based <laughs> no, on. And I was like, no, like Michael, the, you did not the, read this book. The Do Secret not Secret History, lie. Twin Peaks, yeah. the Final Dossier. Like, I love. Mar- I'm, God, I just, I want to be in a room, when twin when Mark Frost and David Lynch are discussing Twin Peaks and like writing it. Like, I would, I mm-hmm. would kill to see. A fly on the wall and see because they always both of them always talk about how. It's not one person limiting or putting it or, oh, and this and, oh, then we could do that. It's they're genuinely like thinking up ideas together. together. They're they're a shared brain when they get together and make Twin Peaks. And I got to see what that looks like because you can take Wild at Heart and you can take Storyville and be like, those have a shared fucking brain (laughs) and can create the majesty that is Twin Peaks. I don't think so. Yeah. And they do. Yeah. Yep. And it's wild. All right. Well, that does it for us. We will be back with you in a couple weeks with Lost Highway. Thank you. for. Uh, hey, if you listened to this yes. and you watched the movie. Even better. Let us know how you watched it. Yeah. And what I'm you thought. Genuinely, and if, yeah, if, yeah. Are we wrong? Did we miss cause something? Because I, I you look at some of the IMDb, like... Um, reviews yeah. and stuff people oh, under underrated masterpiece underrated yeah, yeah like there's a, people love it and yeah. i just was just so fuck like yeah it's a bummer like not i i hesitate to call it bad but i was just lost yeah highway? and i didn't want to be lost highway okay we will talk <laughs> to you in two weeks goodbye Thank you for listening to Cooper Duper, a Twin Peaks podcast for regular people, hosted by Michael Greif and me, Jessica Blumke Greif. 
Our podcast logo is by Forker Creative. You can follow them at Forker Creative. Our theme music is by Brad Chactus. You can always email us at cooperduperpod at gmail.com. Please go on iTunes and leave us a positive review and tell a friend. We'll see you next week.